Owl Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millette and John Finer. And we are back with our first post-game show in just about a month here on the Owl Chat Podcast. We have a full house and studio this weekend. I am joined by my co-host and partner, as always, Mr. John Finer. Producer Nick is in the building with us. And former Owls quarterback and good friend of the show, Mr. Trey White, is also back with us in studio this evening. Owls Fellas, legend, by the way. Owls legend. Absolutely. absolutely. What's up, boys? <laughs> Fellas, it is our first victory weekend since August. Um, we will get into how it happened and how it wasn't great uh, throughout the show. But how are we feeling this Sunday afternoon? I'm feeling great. I realize that uh, Coach Nick only joins us after Owls losses. Uh, we've had Will Hagler and uh, Trey White here to celebrate the uh, celebrate, I guess, uh, the wins. Um, you know, looking at this game, I have a lot of thoughts. And yeah, I'll leave it at that. Um, what are you, what's your take on this guy? Uh, it was miserable. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to hold back. I'm not going to, you know, we have a standard here. We're not going to bash anybody or go out of our way to, you know, talk shit about individuals here on the All Chat podcast, but it was, it was a poor product and, uh, we will talk about that throughout the night. Um, but before we get into that, um, I'm going to go through the summary just to catch everybody up on, uh, what happened for the many of you that probably didn't end up watching the game. Um, so Start the game. Owls get the ball first, and they go 55 yards very methodically. It takes about five minutes on their first drive. Um, Michael Benefield ends up getting in the end zone, put us up 7-0, and it's like, okay, you know, business as usual. Um, several Lincoln punts and two KSU fumbles later, including one that happened on the goal line. Um, Connor Cummins gets set up for a 50-yard field goal and misses it, putting him at 5 of 11 on the year. Um, and then we would get the ball back one more time and Benefield would get into the end zone on, I think, a 20-yard run to put us up 14-0 um, going into the half. Um, coming out of the half, Lincoln made a QB change and immediately threw an interception to set Kennesaw State up inside the Lincoln 5. Um, and then Preston Daniels would score his second touchdown of the year to put the Owls up 21-0. And at that point, it's starting to look like things um, are going how they should have been the entire time. Um, we've got a three score lead and we're, you know, controlling possession and whatnot. And then Lincoln makes another QB change and puts in who we expected to be starting, who is the former UTEP and Mississippi Valley State um, transfer TJ Goodwin. Um, he comes in and immediately leads back to back touchdown drives. Uh, they are unable to convert on the two point conversions and refuse to kick PATs because apparently they didn't have a functional kicking team. Um, but anyways, that put us at 21 to 12 heading into the fourth quarter uh, game was not out of reach, but it was, you know, you didn't get the sense that Lincoln was going to be able to score nine more points in the time that they had. So I, not that it was ever in balance, but it was an uncomfortable uh, scoreline for sure. Um, and then going into the fourth quarter, traded a few more punts and then Alexander Diggs um, scored a touchdown with about seven or eight minutes left in the fourth quarter to essentially put the game out of reach at 28 to 12, which ended up being our final score. So Nick was the only one at the game. John, you and I both watched on the broadcast, um, assuming traded as well. Um, how were we feeling? Initial thoughts. Nauseous. Just going to leave yeah, it at it, that. It, it, I mean, I am. I mean, just like Co if you look, if you watched Coach Bo's uh, post game presser, I saw like a minute of it that was posted on Twitter by somebody. 
you know, he, he basically knows, like you can tell, like it's not up to the standard. He's feeling lucky that we're just getting out of there with a win. I mean, it's no secret that we're struggling right now. We don't have to, you know, pretend or anything like that. Anybody that's watching the game that's not blind can see what's going on and what's happening. So there's really no need for us to kind of sugarcoat it. Um, but, you know, what were your initial thoughts, Trey, as a, you know, as a former player, um, you're seeing this going on back in your day, you know, when we played teams like this, we ran all over them to the point where, you know, they want to wind the clock. And if I recall, maybe you weren't there for this, but they even basically ended the game after like three quarters or a half or something like that. It was so bad. Yeah, no, no. Um, I would say, first off, it's no sin to win. So great to kind of cut that losing streak. But um, I guess before I give my thoughts, I'd like to ask you guys, you know, how much of this is us playing, you know, younger players and backups and, and things like that, looking to next season. Um, how much in that game did y'all see it? Well, um, I, I was going to say, I think it certainly made a difference. I think if we had our full A team, then the game would have been, you know, uh, far less close uh, than it was. That being said, I mean, we were playing a club football team. That's that's what Lincoln is. Uh, yeah. th- they are not a real college football team. And, yeah, and uh, it, I, it was it was embarrassing. Yeah, and to get back to what what I thought of it, I mean, it's 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 all obviously great to win, but you know, when I think they had more total yards than we did, they did, um, and it's it's not like we completely dominated the trenches. I mean, I I think we did. We pushed them around, but um, it just wasn't a clean win. But you know, if if we got a lot of you know young experience during the game, I think that's great, um, especially when you can do that and get a win. Um, but yeah, I mean. Yeah. And as to your point about, you know, who's playing and who's not playing, um, you know, I, I keep track of that probably more than anybody should. Yeah. And, you know, our offense, you know, we had a couple guys out probably due to the red shirt roulette. You know, I think maybe Pennington on the offensive line, you know, uh, Garland, I mean, Gabriel Benyard, of course, was a big hit at uh, running back, that kind of thing. You know, we held out our starting quarterback. Um, but, you know, the the defense is the one that had the, all these young freshmen running around. You had so many guys, you know, all pretty much all your top guys were held out. I mean, Chance Gamble, Garland Benyard, just all your veterans. You had you had freshmen, redshirt freshmen. You had some mixed in like Marquise Montgomery, DeAndre Morris. You know, some older, rarely used players, Elijah Kirby. You had some, you know, veterans like Tyler Scott and Adam Watkins mixed in with Jordan Miles. But, you know, more or less, you had a lot of freshmen mixed in or a lot of guys that just haven't played. Um, the offense is still very concerning for me because, like I said, we only had a couple guys that, you know, were kind of held out. I feel like we should have been able to do more. And right, there was absolutely. a 34 minute to 26 minute in time of possession and no passing yards. Right. And we lost that time of possession battle and the turnover battle and the total yard battle. So um, if anything, the game probably should have been closer. But as you mentioned, uh, Bryson got the start. He goes 0 of 6 against uh, the Lincoln defense, which is, you know, resembling of the island of misfit toys. Um, and that is super concerning to me. I think it's telltale that Bryson is not the guy to be counted on next year. I'm not saying he doesn't have value here. He's a great athlete. Um, I think that we can find a role for him. Um, and I would like to see him continue to get reps in these final two games, but uh, we need to get out and we need to look for a solution at quarterback. And I'm not going to bury uh, Davis Bryson after his first start or anything like that. He could still be a very good player. Um, you know, 
I don't think Klanakis put him in a you know great position to build confidence. You know, you got to hit some short passes, get things going. I mean, we were just, you know, he had some you know, some bad throws. I think there was a drop by Bohannon here or there. But we got to we got to get the offense going, man. If you're just giving it to the running back over and over again, I mean, it worked okay, not great, but I'd still like to you know try new things. Let's see what he can do. You know, um, I just right. felt failed there. Yeah, part of me was curious um, to what extent that was about just making sure we won the game because they were not going to stop Benefield. Um, he had a great game, by the way. You know, shout out to him. He should against that defense, but he played well. He looked like he wanted to be there and showed up. But yeah, part of me wonders if it was like, okay, we need to make sure we win this game because if we lose, then, you know, it's an absolute disaster. Um, so I I am okay with them sticking with what worked because that should be the primary goal each and every week is to get out with a win. That being said, I was extremely disappointed in the lack of creativity um, that Klanak has had bryson's first start he's an incredible athlete he's got a good enough arm as you've said throughout the year you know he's the clear number two and they've made that known all season you know he's the only other quarterback listed on the active depth chart um that was his first start right that was correct yeah i think you know he he's definitely a great athlete and you know i think he definitely has potential but you know i, I think we definitely got to give him another chance down the road no i right? guess give him a I, shot at the job now, I tweeted with about three minutes left before halftime, something to the effect of, you know, if it's a one possession game or worse and at the start of the second half, I think we got to go to Murphy. Um, do you got do you guys think that if this game did get out of control, if it was tied at halftime, for example, do you think we're going to Murphy or are we riding Davis Bryson and risking, you know, a possible L? What do you guys think Coach Bo would do just hypothetically? I think Coach Bo, you know, that decision was obviously made, you know, whether it was earlier in the week or weeks before, um, I think when that decision's made, it's made. He, he's not going to put on okay. that. And it definitely right. wasn't a performance issue or anything like that. It was more of just a, you know, get him playing time or playing right. Lincoln issue. Um, right. So, you know, I just wonder, you know, I was just wondering like, how, you know, how deep in Bo's mind is it like, okay, guys, I know this game really doesn't mean anything. I don't care, but holy crap, if we lose this, that's a bad look. Right, right. Yeah, it would have been great. Murphy was dressed on the sideline, but I don't know how ready he was to actually go. You know, it just being known that Bryson was the starter, you know, the entire week leading up to the game. So I don't know how well that would have worked out, honestly, just throwing Murphy into the into a, the middle of a game, you know, halfway through it with him having no expectation of playing that day. Um, I don't think it ever would have gotten to that point. I think Lincoln was so bad and they were in their own way so much that it was never going to be competitive, no matter how terribly we played. That's just the feel I got. I mean, look, they outgained no, that's us. The we feel still I beat them by 16. Yeah. That's the feel I got, too. It's just like when you have that feeling, you should expect to win by 40. Right. Right. No, totally. And it was just – it was frustrating because it was like you mentioned the offense and defensive line, and they did look better than Lincoln's, you know, offense and defensive line. They did. I mean, they're, they're more athletic and they're better football players. But there were times um, on short yardage situations where they were getting pushed, and that was super discouraging. I was like, "Guys, what are we doing? We gotta, we gotta win every play out here. You know, who wants to be here?" So, and and again, know. some of this is consequence of you know filling up that triple off triple option offensive line and getting a different type of player that can push the pile. Um, but you know, I just want to emphasize uh, a little bit more on Davis Bryson. You know, I still have you know I still have faith in him. 
Um, I just don't think that he can be the only option next year. Like if you're like, if the coaches are banking on Davis Bryson right now and not trying to, um, you know, find one, at least one, maybe two quarterbacks from the portal, junior college, something like that. You know, I, I just think that would be a big mistake. I mean, the way, you know, kind of we overlooked apparently center this year. I mean, look at, uh, you know, James Dawson goes down. We have nothing. Um, Al Hogan made a valiant effort, but it's obvious he's not a center. He's probably more of a guard. Uh, he'll probably be back next year in that capacity competing there. But, you know, just and we'll talk more about that later. But it's we need something, guys. Right. I, I agree with you. And I'm not saying that I'm giving up on Bryson either as a quarterback or as a player. Um, let him compete, you know, bring in another guy and let him let him be pushed. Um, just give us another option. You know, we if we bank on Bryson and then it turns out to be a disaster, what are we going to do? I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, well, I, like, I think it's a that's a kind of a caveat of the whole us moving from D1 double A to D1 single A. Um, right. We know how NIL is affected D1 single A football. I mean, that's a thing. Um, right. So how is Kennesaw State going to combat that? Because, I mean, whether it's a quarterback or any other position, every other team we're going to be playing is bringing in NIL people. Well, we're going to have to eventually do that too. Sure. I do think the benefit of moving up from FCS to FBS in that regard is um, – we're not the NIL regard, but the quarterback situation is it makes us an attractive destination for maybe an overachieving FCS quarterback who wants to oh, make that jump to the next level. I agree. Or, you know, like a bounce back power five guy or group of five guy who, you know, either lost his job or is just a career backup or, you know, whatever happened, happened. And he wants to stay at the FBS level. And while KSU might be team 130 out of 130, you know, that is still an FBS program and you're still giving uh, them a chance to compete at that level. Um, but just like watching Sam Houston State this year, um, which is something I've kind of done. <laughs> hey, I, I think the I'm year. going to the game. It's about a two-hour and forty-minute drive from Fort Worth, Texas, where I live. Sweet, and, you'll be uh, you'll be representing us. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try to. You're gonna hop on next week. Uh, talk about your experience, Trey. <laughs> <laughs> if I go, I'd love to. The payphone stadium. <laughs> oh yeah, tell us if they still have a payphone if when you get there. <laughs> We at least ran into each other at that game and the playoff game a couple years ago. Yes, sir. That's where I first met Trey, I believe, in uh, 2017. And, you know, I, I just have so many traumatic memories from that. Um, oh, not, not meeting Trey, but that whole game. <laughs> uh, I, that last play, Trey, you remember what we ran? I do not. It was an end around to a freshman wide receiver. I don't know if you remember that. On our, he got uh, tackled at like midfield or middle of the field. It wasn't close. It wasn't yeah. close. And, that, yeah. and that's how time expired. And I'm, I'm never going to forget that play, man. Like I'm, I dropped all this money on plane tickets uh, from Atlanta hotel stay and we run an end around. Um, but no, man, um, definitely, you know, hop on for a bit next week. If you go, we'd love to have you. Um, Coach Nick will be in the house too. The more the merrier. Um, but yeah, Sam Houston is an interesting one. They're what, like 0-8, 0-9, Kai? They're, they are 0-8. They are winless. Um, and I bring them up because, you know, they're in a similar situation. I mean, they're in the same situation that we are, but they are a year ahead of us. They went 5-4 and four last year. I don't know if they played any D2 teams or NAIA teams or independent teams, any Lincoln types, any Virginia Lynchburg types. Um, but they had a better year last year than we did this year. Um, and this year for them has been a complete and total disaster. Um, so it scares me to think about, uh, what could be coming for us. It seems like they've had a lot more bad luck and close games than us. Like they seem to be like, 
I mean, like this year we played tight against Furman, who's a top five FCS team. We played tight against Charleston Southern. We played tight against Tennessee State. Like we've lost a lot of close games. Um, and sure, you know, they, they've been competitive against some of the worst teams in Conference USA, but they're still 0-8. <laughs> it's yeah. still just about as bad as it gets. Um, and I'm still not feeling good about it either because they're still, you know, they still have all their players and they're an FBS squad. And we right. are going to be redshirting so many. I think we'll get some guys back next year, like next week, like Jericho Washington, Juan Darius Silas. Um, I right. think we'll get a few guys back, but probably not too many. Most are, I think, out of eligibility. But right. damn, uh, it's, you know, it's discouraging. Um, but what you got next, Kai? Um, I, <laughs> I wanted to complain a little bit more about uh, the decision-making that we had on special teams. Um, now, to credit coach Bo and the coaching staff, we did end up going for it on a fourth and short yardage situation around the same area of the field later in the game. But why are we still trotting Connor Cummins out to kick field goals from 40 plus yards? Uh, he's not hitting them. Uh, we might as well take an E. I, you know, I'm not saying he's not a fine kicker from 40 yards in. Um, he's been pretty consistent from that range. Um, I, I think he's, you know, a good kicker at this level and you don't want to discourage him, but uh, like, I mean, it's pointless. He's not hitting these kicks. I it it just bothers me more than I can explain. Um, we're wasting possessions. I th I so. think you know, as a coach, you know, you kind of have to trust your kicker to an extent, um, at least to start off with during the game, and kind of maybe maybe he'll have one of those good games. You know, maybe he'll have his fastball today. Um, you just don't know until you send him out there, and then. So I mean, like. That's fair, but you look at his numbers, and this is not exact. This is just from my memory. I got to go back and check this. If you know I'm wrong, we'll clear it on the next um, errors and omissions segment. I think he's like two of eight from forty plus or forty five plus. Like that's not <laughs> you know a redeeming percentage to keep sending him out there. You know, and it hurts his confidence. You know, it it gets him in his own head, and all of a sudden the thirty yarder becomes you know more challenging than it was before. Um, if it's the end of a half situation, sure, you got nothing to lose sending him out there. But, like, I, I don't know. I, I don't get it. Well, you have two options. You either trust your kicker or you trust your uh, first-time starting quarterback to, you know, make a fourth down play and, you know, kind of stuck between a, you know, a rock and a hard place here. Uh, when we can't even get our snap. So what's your take on that, Trey? No, I think you hit it on the head. I mean, it's situational. Um, yeah, you're stuck between a rock and a hard yeah. place. Yeah, we got confirmation. I, I want to give, give a shout out to Coach Bo real quick. Um, seventy wins, seventieth win. True. Pretty seventy darn wins strong. in seventy wins in program history. Yeah. Congratulations um, to Coach Bo. I was happier at sixty nine, but you know, good good <laughs> job on seventy. Absolutely, yeah. we so do have confirmation by the way. That's uh, seventy wins in nine nine seasons. So that's I mean that's over almost an eight eight win season a year. It's um, really strong. That's why we're not trying to get rid of Coach Bo over here. That's why we're uh, we're gonna get. You know, I say, you know, this is this game. You know, it's no sin to win, like you said, um, but it's also no fun to win like this as a fan. <laughs> and uh, you know, but you know, we're. I think the opinion here is of Kai, um, we're gonna give Coach Bo some time. Uh, you know, people are calling for his head on Twitter. You know, being emotional and driven by emotion. That's fun. You know, if you're in the you know the hot take game. Right. But, you know, we're trying to, you know, we, we record the next day. We're not going live three minutes after the game. And that's probably for the best. Right. Agreed. Agreed. 
Yeah, but yeah, we're this, taking some time to sit on it. This yeah. is not KSU undisputed. Um, yeah, I do want to, I do want to, you know, talk a little bit more about that and clarify our stance because we have, you know, we have parents listening. You know, parents of players. We've got people involved and a part of the athletic department. Like we've done nothing, we've done nothing but defend Coach Bo, and I think we're all still in that boat. Um, no, absolutely. I'm just his biggest cheerleader, so I had to throw a shout out. Um, <laughs> question for you, but all of y'all about the 70 wins. So. You brought up Sam Houston State. You know, Sam Houston State's been a program for a long time. Well, you know, we're still, you know, not even in, you know, I guess we're, this is year nine. Um, right. Is that like, a, that's got to be a selling point. Like, hey, we're a winning program come here rather than a, a Sam Houston or Coastal or Liberty. Um, I, I don't know. I think being closest to Atlanta is the, you know, huge selling point. Is the us. kicker. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are, there are a no bunch pun of intended. Points. And I, and I think that the coaching staff definitely will bring that up to recruits being like, I don't know if it's still the case, but for a while we were the winningest program as far as winning percentage goes in college football history. And you know, startup, a, for a startup. Yeah, I'm sure that is a selling point to recruits is, look, we are, you know, a very winning program. And even though we're down right now, you know, we've been up and we know how to be up and we're used to winning. And that's the culture that we have built here. So absolutely, I think that's a selling point to recruits. Now watch me, watch me uh, masterfully weave this in. Um, during the game, uh, kicker Gray Kelly of Alatoona High School um, announced his commitment to Kennesaw State. Um, I assume he committed to the coaches probably before the game or whatnot, but uh, Gray Kelly, congratulations. I think Kai mentioned, and I'll get to that in a second, has seen him uh, kick, and uh, I'll let you talk about that. But I do want to mention that uh, Gray's brother, Jude, um, is actually uh, was at Georgia Tech for like three years, and his brother is the kicker right now for Chattanooga, who scored quite a few points against us uh, earlier this season. So there, there's your fact of the night. The more you know, flash the graphic. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because I actually had no idea that there was a relation to Jude Kelly. Um, as somebody who grew up a Tech fan, a diehard Tech fan, um, and had watched every game for years. Um, Jude Kelly is one of my <laughs> least favorite college football players of all time. Um, no, but actually he, he seems like a good kid and it seems like he's succeeding at Chattanooga, but I think at one point at tech, he was like two of 11 on field goals. I mean, it was, it was rough. Um, but I have seen, uh, gray warm up at Alatoona high school when I covered a game out there. Um, he looked like he had a huge leg warming up. I didn't get to see him in the game. He didn't have any attempts because Alatoona couldn't move the ball. But, you know, um, it's clear that there's a need for a kicker. Uh, I mean, we got Cummins, who's going to be a senior. Um, and I, I still like Cummins. I still think Cummins is the guy next year. Um, but Ulrich clearly wasn't cutting it a kicker. I mean, he's a punter by trait. And we're okay with that. So just to have that need filled is definitely a good thing and probably the best thing that happened on Saturday. Yeah. And and spinning this off into a positive, but first, uh, shout out to uh, Rachel, who went to Alatoona High School, my friend Rachel, who actually told me about their relationship to uh, Jude Kelly. I think she went to school with him. So thank you, Rachel, for uh, pointing that out. Um, you know, Ulrich looked good as a punter. Um, I think that's his position. Um, he His first punt, he put it at, what, the four-yard line, something like that. So, you know, I think we're set there. So we got two punters and, you know, no kickers. Um, so, you know, hope, hopefully we can find something here coming soon. Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, Ulrich looked great. Uh, I mean, we knew he looked great. Everybody hypes him up to no end. They say he looks great in practice. He's got, you know, like a practice highlight reel. There were some videos that were posted over the off season of him just bombing punts. So, um, it's good that he is a better punter than he is a kicker. 
Um, but we also have Hewitt. Hewitt's been fantastic for us all year. Um, hopefully we have a strong special teams unit for years to come. Let's um, roll out a package with two punters. I'm all for it. <laughs> um, but we're, we're, we're kind of grasping for positives at this point, but that is, that's a real one. Um, and we've got a guy like, I've been trying to say this for, you know, months now, I think we got to get Tykeem Wallace, um, in on kick and punt return just with his track speed. Um, I have no doubt that we'll find somebody to put back there when uh, Foster graduates, but you know, yeah, Foster's Mister uh, Safe and Steady. He's that guy you just put back there. I feel like right. we've had him for six years. Seven. I think it's seven. Yeah, is it really seven? Yeah, he's got his AARP card last week. <laughs> I mean, he had a you know, granted the competition wasn't strong, but he had a nice day returning punts against Lincoln. So it was it was good to see that he had a few like twenty yard ish returns, I believe. So. He's this generation's uh, and last generation's Taylor Henkel on uh, punt returns. Yeah, I mean they every time Lincoln He's a little punted, faster it, than Taylor. Shout out to <laughs> every time Lincoln punted, Taylor Henkel reference. It would be like a net gain of like maybe ten to fifteen yards every time Lincoln punted. So, um, anyways, they, that being said, um, I want to talk more about Lincoln's kicking game. How do they function as a program? Like that they can't execute an extra point. Like what's going so? So the answer there for you, John, is they don't. Um, I'm only saying that somewhat jokingly, like, I mean, they, they've won two games in their history as a program, um, against D two and D three opponents. Uh, yeah, they didn't seem like they had a kicking unit. Um, cause there was one situation in the first half where it was like fourth and long on like the 13 and it was like, okay, you know, if they tried out their field goal unit, hit a 30 yarder, which any college football program at any level should be able to do. Um, and they decide to go for it and turn the ball over on downs. I mean, they had a chance to make this a 7-3 game in the first half. Um, but it was – yeah, uh, Lincoln is a bad football team, um, and we let them hang in the game with us and outgain us and win the turnover battle against us. Um, so I, it was not a good day, <laughs> just but, putting it simply. But, I mean, the field goal I, t- I get, you know, okay, a team doesn't have – isn't comfortable with field goals, but, like, just going forward on – you know, PATs instead of kicking the PAT. I mean, that kind of spells like, okay, can they execute a basic special teams snap and kick? I don't sure. know. I want to research this, see what they did in previous games, but this this is a rabbit hole I'd like to explore. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it's I don't know. It was it, it was high school level execution. Abraham Lincoln never played football. Yeah, I do want to thing that was weird about Lincoln was they did have some players that you could tell were actually talented. I mean, like their quarterback who they subbed in, in the second half, um, you know, was a UTEP player at one point, like the guy who was playing at the group of five level. He never appeared in the game, but he was on scholarship, I believe, at UTEP and then at another D1 school. Um, but just the <laughs> it was weird to see the contrast of. You know, the guys who had played at the high level with the guys who you could tell were just like, you know, third stringers on their high school team who just wound up playing college football at Lincoln. So we call those Lincoln logs um, here at the Owl Chat podcast. Uh, But the running back Otis Way was a hell of a player. Um, You know, I'll, I'll, I'll say hell of a player on the field. I'll just leave it at that. I mean, he was a fantastic um, running back at North Dakota and then would have been at, uh, I think it was Southeast Missouri had certain off the field issues not come up. Um, but yeah, you could tell that like they, the kid was a stud. He was running over our guys. I'm surprised he didn't have more rushing yards. Um, he 
kept them <laughs> moving down the field in that first half while um, their first and second quarterback couldn't do anything. So Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he was a transfer. He was pretty talented. He was um, a former FCS All-American at North Dakota. There you go. Yeah. So, anyways, fellas, here's the question I got to ask. At this point, do we feel like we are screwed in 2024? No, because the portal exists. Sorry. Yeah. No. Great answer. We, Great time, the portal exists. Junior colleges exist. Um, we just need to focus it on the offense. And, you know, we got some, you know, Juco guys, I think that aren't bad. You know, Kuda Walker on defense, Sydney Porter, I think has some potential. Um, you know, again, we're just playing this red shirt roulette on defense. Uh, well, to John, to, to that red shirt roulette point, I mean, the Furman game, could we all agree maybe that that was when we were clicking on all cylinders and we had the players we wanted playing? It was the best game we played all year. Yeah, yeah they competed with the top five teams. So, right. you know, I, I think I think this year has probably, you know, turned out worse, like the worst worst case scenario. Um, but, man, I, I, I feel confident about our transition to D1 single A. Right. I think it's just my, my you know, anger is just being pissed off and frustrated as a fan. You know, it's like, oh, big time, man. It's frustrating. Right. Like, I want, I want to care, but it's like there was, there was no reason to care about the Lincoln game. None. Uh, well, there, there was, there was no, there was no appeal for the fans. It was, it was a team we shouldn't have played and a team that we shouldn't have played close like we did. I mean, it was, it was just an embarrassing look all around. And I'm really glad it's over. Well, and I think the biggest concern from a fan's perspective, and especially like us, we really care about it is, you know, got to create some buzz to get fans in the seat. You know, we're competing right. with Georgia on Sundays who play in Athens, um, Georgia Tech down in Atlanta, Georgia State down in Atlanta. You know, I mean, we're, we got to get people in the seats, especially moving to, um, you know, the FBS. I mean, they asked Bo at his press conference this week, how did this game, you know, get scheduled? Did you know somebody or whatnot? And what did he say? They both just needed games. Um, that's that's it. Like, you know, we lost our whole schedule this year. You know, usually football games, I think, are scheduled a couple years in advance. Yeah. Um, it was tough to find someone. Um, and Lincoln, as embarrassing it as it as it was, you know, it's probably a best case scenario that we played Lincoln and you know, they not somebody else. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, right. like for example, KSU knows that they need to put button seats. That's why Big Boy was there. And if you saw the graphic they tweeted on Sun on yesterday, well. Saturday uh, afternoon before the game with Big Boy Concert, they put all the information, ESPN Plus, game time. And then in the bottom corner, very tiny print, they say Lincoln University. Like you can barely read it. You have to like zoom in. Um, so that was smart on their part. Like they know what's going on. They know Lincoln's not going to put butts in seats. They're not stupid. Right. But I, I feel this is something that, you know, we had to do and we'll probably have to do it again for Virginia Lynchburg. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not, you know, big boy. That's great. I'm, you know, a fan, but I think they need to do more concert or more things to, you know, bring attention to, you know, game day uh, Saturday. Right. Well, to be to be fair to them, I think the athletic department has done a fantastic job of advertising these games. I mean, we've had legitimately great attendance for, I think, three out of our five home games. And then, you know, I guess it was a student union or something who pulled big boy, but still um, just doing everything they possibly can to make these games appealing for what is, if we're being real, a pretty terrible football team this year. Um, 
winning fixes everything. Um, hopefully when we make the jump and we have more consistency, we can get back to that. And then if you build it, they will come. If we are competing for conference titles in Conference USA and making bowl games and being on national TV, I don't think it's going to be a problem getting butts in seats. Um, so that's good thing is like now it's, it's it's temporary, but you know there there will be something that will be the appeal of that game. But after this, it becomes about the football. You can only you know promote everything outside so much. I mean, they practically gave up on promoting the basketball team for years. You know, there was no on campus advertisements for you know students to go to basketball games. There's they were hiding there that program. There. It's almost exactly. better that you don't have people at the basketball games to see that. You know? Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's changed now. And now, you know, there's promotions for the basketball season everywhere. Cause that's a good product. Um, but they know the importance of just keeping the buzz around the program this year while trying to, to kind of turn heads away from the actual product that's being shown. So I, I think all things considered, they've actually done a great job of that. Um, and now it's time for the team to pick up their end of the deal and, you know, turn this around. So agreed. Well, I hope everybody that said we need to get rid of the triple option is just is thrown right now. Um, so, you know, hope y'all are enjoying this. Um, but, uh, you know, the NCAA did this to us. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, we're not doing the full the full fledged triple option anymore. We're going to get some passing. Uh, not quite. Not yesterday. I did some research on it, a little bit of research, clicking around and. You know, Trey is in his first year, I think his minimum completion was like two. I don't think we've ever gone without a completion before. Um, and, you know, that's just I, I mentioned it before, man, but we we, we got to get some kind of balance. We got to bring in kids next year, QBs that can make some reads, get the ball out quickly, hit those timing patterns. And number two, we got to get wide receivers that can run those patterns. We got guys that were built to to block. These guys weren't brought in to be little Wes Welker types in the slot. These guys were brought in to, you know, level people. And um, now you're you're just changing your whole thing, your whole offensive line. I mean, you know, I, I totally understand why we suck. It's And it's not even because of the redshirt roulette on the offense. Now, if, if our defense, I think, was fully, you know, no red shirts, none of that, I think we would have crushed Lincoln beyond repair yesterday to sure. where they, they wouldn't have able to function and our offense wouldn't have even mattered. Sure. And that's all true. But, you know, there is also just the fans perspective is there needs to be encouragement. We need to see progression. Right. And that's yes. hard. To, that's hard to do this year because you're essentially running out a new team every week. Right. Um, so that's why I think we're not totally pissed off. As I've said, I'm frustrated and I'm angry as a fan because, you know, um, I'm out here covering a bad product, which is what, you know, the 2023. 2023 Kennesaw State Owls football team is it's it's not an entertaining team to watch and there are reasons for that um but the pressure is going to gradually build as we move further into the future starting next year there needs to be progress we need to see stability we need to see improvement we need to have reason to think that we are going to be able to have success in conference USA at the FBS level so that's all I got to say. Speaking on the offensive part, like if you look at all these teams across the country when they get a new O coordinator in, um, and I know you know we're transitioning to new offense and all that stuff, but usually the second year is when things start picking up. So that will be a right. big uh, thing to look at next year. Yeah, we need to right. see incremental improvement. Um, definitely. 
Um, you know, some like I said, I don't think anybody here, I, I don't want to speak for you guys, is expecting us to be world beaters next year. But I want to see us to have, you know, some kind of competent offense from, you know, time to time early on in the season. You know, we had drives where, man, we just moved it down the field. Long pass, long pass, boom, Murphy runs it in. But those are very few and far between. We need, like I said before, we need to get those more a lot more often. Yeah, consistency. Consistency. Yes, yeah, something. Um, but, you know, yesterday... You know, I, I want to say that we're looking for our pieces and who can play. But, you know, on the offensive line, we got Hogan starting. Then Butts came in. Then uh, Brian Habeck came in as the third string center. And then, you know, Nate Wright started. I think he got blown up on a penalty. They pulled Nate Wright. Um, they put in Seaburn uh, Hines at left tackle. You know, we're just moving pieces around. I don't know how many you know, how to franchise pieces, so to speak, that we can plug and play next year on the offensive line. And that's what most concerns me. Is there anybody besides, you know, Gabriel Benyard that we can say confidently right now, okay, plug and play for next year when we plan out next season. But that's where the portal comes in. And that's where, because you're moving up a level, you're going to be able to get some good guys. Oh, I agree. I'm just saying there's just so many unknowns right now. And oh, we have one we have one known, and that's basically, you know, Gabriel Benyard. That's that's like nine, eight, nine, ten spots where we're saying, hey, we gotta rely on somebody that we don't know intimately that has to pick up the offense, figure things out on the run, and you know, get guys going, combined with, you know, people stepping up that didn't play much this year, improvement from younger players and whatnot. You know, there's just not a lot of proven stuff there to, you know, step in and I just feel like, you know, I'm, I think Bohannon should get every opportunity and he will hopefully to uh, get this turned around. But I just feel like he's putting, he's put in a very, very, very tough spot that I wouldn't want to be in, even with the portal, even with the transfers. Absolutely. It's an unbelievably tough position for so many reasons, you know, from the offense to the transition to the, you know, weird schedule. So I totally agree with you. And I want to emphasize what you said. None of us expect us to be all that great next year. Um, but there is that nightmare scenario in which we move up next year and we lose every conference game by 30. You know, <laughs> I, I mean, that I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. But if that happens, like we're going to be looking around like, OK, we shouldn't be here. You know, where do we go from here? Um, so as long as we're not that bad, I'll be OK. Like it, we could win one game next year um, as long as we look like we belong on the same field as the teams we play, then I will, I will still be sticking with Bo and, you know, my support of him running this program. So I agree. What do you, what's your take on that Trey? Man, I'm just uh, like, especially, you know, getting closer, you know, to the uh, cold weather and all, all this stuff. I can't wait for a future bowl game. That'll be right. Exciting. Right. There's i I've been talking to my buddies. I'm only a sophomore here. Right. But it's like, there's that off chance that I get a bowl game here as a student. You know, I think that'd be super cool, especially yeah. somebody who, you know, decided to go here when we were, you know, years out of deciding to make that jump. So, you know, there's that hope. And we've got two years. A lot can change in two years. A lot can change in two years. Who knows? Yeah. I uh, do want to talk about some of the positives um, so we're not totally negative And, you know, we highlight the guys who deserve to be highlighted. Um, Michael Benefield had a phenomenal day, got in the end zone twice, averaged more than six yards per carry. Um, he's quietly been one of our best players this year um, and absolutely deserves recognition. He ran so he, angry yesterday. My God. Absolutely. Yeah, no, he looked fantastic. Um, he was the best player on the field, you know, plain and simple. Um, and then Sidney Porter had his second interception of the year. Um, he's been a solid piece for us in the secondary all year. 
Um, and, you know, we're excited to see him continue to be a part of this team. So it wasn't all bad. There are good things to talk about. And, and Therese Hamilton had his first interception. It was kind of a kind of a gimme. Um, the Owls did drop a couple interceptions that probably should have had. But, um, you know, overall, you know, some good effort by uh, Adam Watkins on that last sack to kind of seal the deal. And also, you know, Gerard Woods, uh, the announcers did a good job of uh, singling him out, made a couple plays uh, in the goal line situation. I think that was in the first half. So, you know, good on him. Um, you know, I just want to I just want to see effort, man, next week. Hopefully we play with some pride against Sam Houston. Um, you know, I, I don't think we're going to win this game. I think we're probably looking at a double digit loss, unfortunately. Um, but, uh, you know, we've. I do want to get that win, seeing as how I went down to Sam Houston. We talked a lot of shit back in the day, uh, all right. that kind of stuff. And I, I don't want to be like, you know, if you're a wrestling fan, you know, Brock Lesnar beating The Undertaker, putting that one in uh, Sam Houston's uh, record uh, at yeah. WrestleMania. So hope, I'm hoping for the best. Minnesota Vikings legend, Brock Lesnar. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Mr. Cauliflower here. I got that much. Um, but yeah, it's the last game of the year that's interesting. So, um, you know, it's going to be a fun watch. Sam Houston State is winless. It has a chance to be one of the weirdest FCS versus FBS upsets of all time. So me being the, you know, uh, mentally ill, sick sports fan that I am, I will definitely be tuned in and very interested in this game. Um, You know, there's still a reason to watch. There's still also reason to play. Yeah. I mean, you can motivate these guys. Like, you don't want, you know, guys, you don't want to be that one. For sure. Sure. Yeah. And Sam Houston State's going to be very motivated because, you know, a, a zero win team is going to be more motivated than a one win team. They want to get that goose egg off the board. They do not want to go in 12. And this is their best chance. Um, so 100 percent. This is a game that's going to matter to both sides. Um, it's like a loser's Super Bowl next week, man. I think these teams are going to be jacked up and ready to play. Absolutely. I hope it's a fun one. Uh, I really do. So, you know, one last thing. I want to talk a little bit good about Bryson because, you know, it kind of seems like we've been you know, tearing him down a little bit during the podcast. He is an incredible athlete and he is really fast. And I am excited to see how they continue to uh, involve him in what we do in the future. So, and he's only a red shirt freshman. So super young, long way to go as far as development goes hundred percent. Yeah. And he's going to have to, you know, he's going to have to learn how to play in a more traditional offense. He was recruited for the triple option and running and pitching and hell, I'm sure he'd, you know, be great at that, but now times have changed. He has to adjust. Um, quoting uh, Barkley Miller from the telecast yesterday, the coaches called Bryson, I quote, the most athletic QB to ever come through KSU. Um, and I think quoting you guys, I talked to Kai and Nick before the show about that quote. Uh, we, we think it might be Trey White. Um, we're not sure, but um, we'll take the coach's word for it. He's got yeah. just beat by just a little bit. <laughs> What's your forty time, Trey? Now forty time the... now. My forty time now is uh, not. I'm not going to tell you. What was it back in the day? Uh, four five two. That was my. Fastest. That's not bad. That's, That's not bad at all. I'm impressed if you name. even know what your forty time is right now. So no, no, I do not. I don't want to know. Don't Mine would probably be in like the, I would think the, the eight or the nines. I mean, I'm, you know. Nah, John, you could run a sub six. You know, you could. I'll tell ah. you what, I'm a lot faster when like, you know, 300 pound D linemen are chasing you. So you're a little faster than you think. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I, I mean, not all of that is me being slow. That just, ah, you know, I don't feel like putting in the effort. Yeah, you know, I don't feel like waiting for the, you know, putting the effort to start and all that. So. Yeah, but if you're if you're given the reason, you might surprise yourself. Yeah, I'll have somebody chase me. We'll we'll have uh, Carlos Allen just chase me, and we'll see how fast I can go. 
All right, gentlemen. With uh, with that all being said, if y'all have nothing else to add, I can go ahead and take us out. Hey, thanks for having me, boys. I really appreciate it. Of course. Thanks for joining us again. We will be back with the midweek update on Thursday as usual, and we will go more in-depth with our preview of Sam Houston State. Everybody have a great rest of your week. Thank you for tuning in to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter at KSU Owl Howl and at Big Owl Blog. You can also view additional content on BigOwlBlog.com. And be sure to join the online community of Owl fans at KSUOwlHowl.com slash forum. Until our hosts return, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, Go Owl!